Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out Labor Day weekend just passed. Do we have any Labor Day rituals? That may be a weird question, but is there anything you do on Labor Day specifically? I usually hope to get invited to something because you never have plans. <laughs> That's your ritual. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Usually it's a tough when one. it's ever it's a tough because our associate with Labor Day with when I was a kid was going back to school because we always went back like, the week <laughs> after. So it always kind of sucked. Oh, um, that's so true. But since I've been out here, I kind of don't even notice it i kind of keep forgetting that it is a day i'm always like oh shit cool i got a day off and then we hope someone has something going on and we just go there and have a barbecue you're like awesome long weekend you know what's funny is i always associate labor day i graduated high school in 01 and my freshman year of college was september of 2001 Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so i got to school labor day weekend and yeah did the thing moved in and then a week one week after i got to school mm-hmm. 9-11 happened so that's that's oh. kind of how i always think of labor day was that day it was the first day i slept through classes and this was bunny years on the tv so we only got fox nbc mm-hmm. abc cbs and uh desktop no laptops no phone i didn't have a phone yet and I had a landline, and all these people were calling that morning. I'm like, oh, my God, what are people doing? And, of course, I woke up, turned on the TV. I, I see two buildings. One of them is on fire. Mm-hmm. And then I literally, like, five minutes after I turned on the TV, the second plane hit the other tower. I did not know what I was looking at. Like, I didn't know what the World Trade Center was. <laughs> I'm from Mississippi. I had no idea what I was looking at. And it was just like, oh, my God, America's under attack. And then I listened to voicemails, and it's just like, oh, my God, dude, can you see the smoke? And I'm like, I live in Boston. It's three and a half hours away. No, I can't fucking see the smoke. <laughs> I was actually but, in Providence, and it was actually the – I had just graduated college, so it was my first sort of, like, day of life post-graduating school. And you were in Providence, Rhode Island? Yeah. Did you go to – what is it, URI or RIU? I went to RISD. Ah, you went to RISD. Okay. You artsy motherfucker. <laughs> and you're a Rhode Island native, yes? Yes. Grew up in Barrington, which nice. is ah. infamously the snotty rich part of Rhode Island. But Neil, <laughs> are you familiar with Labor Day? Do you have any Labor Day memories? <laughs> well, um, I won't go as dark as you did, but... Uh... <laughs> How dare you? No, I mean, Labor Day, it's always just a day off. I usually don't have plans. I'm just happy to have a day off. It's kind of, it's always right around the right time when uh, just summer's ending. Um, And it's funny because my boss is always like, it's Labor Day. We should be laboring. We should be working. I'm like, oh my God, enough. He he makes the same joke every year. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see you on Tuesday. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay, so... Let's let's lighten the mood a little bit. What is your? It doesn't even have to be a Labor Day drink, but I feel like if it's Labor Day, you're outside. It's hot. It really doesn't matter where you are. It's not Fourth of July. It's not like 
oh my god we're celebrating the birth of america yada yada but what are you drinking what is your preferred poolside labor day weekend drink russ beer and currently if it's hot out there's one it's like a cucumber sour i really like uh, the beer? Are you putting the cu- cucumber in yourself, no, or is it just a sour? It's it's a label called Crush, and they make a bunch of like weird flavored sour beers, and this one is cucumber. Interesting. It's really okay. good. I, I, I'm not a big sour beer guy. I I do love saisons, which are pretty sour. This isn't like the like the vinegary sour ones. It's more like just kind of tart. So mm-hmm. kind of okay. like where they add With- stuff to it to make it a little. With, with some cucumber add that, that, that bites into the sour a little bit. Okay, okay. Neil, what, what are you drinking on Labor Day when you're drinking? Well, I would like, there was a time about a month ago when we had Russ up to your house, Josh, when you weren't there. Wow, <laughs> wow. wow, okay. That's when the most fun happens, when I'm not around. Okay. No, but uh, Russ, what were you making that day? You were hand muddling something. I want one of those. Uh, it was... Well, Russ, I, I, you muddling motherfuckers. <laughs> It was watermelon. I, I juiced an entire watermelon and brought it over. Oh, yeah. And I was yeah. muddling. Christ. I was muddling lime and cucumber oh, with man. the watermelon juice. That's and then what I want. I was making ah. non alcoholic ones with just like uh, sparkling water. And then I was making ones with gin. Yeah, I want one of the ones with gin. <laughs> when the pandemic started, I, I've never been a gin drinker or I never really liked the taste of gin. I went to London a few years ago and did, I didn't even realize that, like, that's the birth the home birthplace home place of gin and i would have these gin drinks and i was like oh my god it's so refreshing and blah 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 and there's fruit in there and blah 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 Mm -hmm. so like now i bought a really good i don't know if it's a really good but it's it's called plymouth Mm -hmm. um and it's a great gin and i've been making drinks i make it for my girlfriend or sister when they come over and and people are like oh my god these drinks are so good and you throw men Mm -hmm. in there just gin mm-hmm. some tonic water maybe some topo chico you know yeah topo chico is what i prefer and then like maybe a little grapefruit it is so good and so light as a and that is that would be my labor day drink now nice. is a gin drink yeah um that really does the trick when you're in the sun which right now in los angeles we're in the sun yes. brutal it's fucking hot I'm sweating my balls off right now. (laughs) (laughs) And the person that is sweating their balls off is our uh, newest guest on the pod is Russ Davis. And Russ, you are coming to us from Rhode Island as we uh, already established. But we have a couple questions we like to ask our guests Mm -hmm. on their first week on the the pod. And that is, uh, give us a little taste of your musical examples of your musical tastes. Let's say that. You know, there's a point where you kind of like think of music as sort of like an adult for the first. Not you don't have to be an adult, but like when you're a kid, music is just sort of stuff that's on, and you love all of it, or it doesn't matter. But then there's a point where music actually kind of connects with you, yeah, like emotionally. And for me, that was the first one. There's two albums, and they're very, very different. It was 1990. Was uh, they might be giants? Flood. Okay. Ah. I uh, I devoured that thing for months and months. And then the second one was Angel Dust by Faith No More. She came out yeah. the following year, <laughs> which is still one of my top ten albums of all time. I know like one song from both of those bands. Yeah, it's a <laughs> Particle Man and Epic. Yes, Angel yes. Dust was the one with like the the desert on the cover. What was on the cover of that? It's a it's a great blue heron. It's a bird. 
with like a moon uh, background. Huh. Now is that now question uh, extra points if you get this uh, mm -hmm. the great blue heron is it is that a state bird and if so what state? Um, I don't know. I don't say, either. Okay. <laughs> thought that was a lead-in <laughs> trick question. Like, no, no, no. It was Welcome just like, to the bonus it sounds room. like it should be. Um, <laughs> okay, so so second question we like to ask. Mm -hmm. They may be giants in Faith No More. Musical taste. Now, give me your two to three favorite live shows that you have. One that always comes to mind first is and it, it, it was M83 at Club Nokia. Just because, Ooh. for whatever reason, it was just the best show. It was like this face-meltingly loud, but in a good way kind of thing. And it was mm -hmm. intimate, but it was still, like, chill. I don't know. It's hard to describe, but it, that, that show was just amazing. I've actually gone to see, on to see them, like, three more times just because of that show. Funny story about the Nokia Theater. The first time mm -hmm. I went there, I went to a Band of Horses show there years mm -hmm. ago. And I had no idea where it was. Just, like, in the Staples Center kind of that like whole skating rink <laughs> mess of stuff yeah but i went to a different like i went to like a club and i was like uh is this club nokia and they were like yeah and i was like why am i here for a band of horses and they were like i don't know what that means and i'm like okay i'm in the wrong place i don't know what i'm doing right now or where i am and then i finally found it and it, it's a weird venue because yeah it's not pretty it's it, it's low ceilings it, it, there's just not enough space like usually you have like the the low ceiling where the bar is and stuff but then like the space outside of that where you can actually hear the band it's it's just very deadening mm -hmm. I, I yeah like. i saw um i saw neil young there that was amazing first set just hey, club nokia yeah yeah the fuck was he doing playing there <laughs> rocking out man first set was just him and uh action checks piano uh organ and guitar <laughs> just him by himself and then second set was with crazy horse that was pretty oh amazing oh my god yeah okay russ i interrupted you second mm -hmm. second favorite show uh oh uh flaming lips Ooh. you were at the show neil mm -hmm. he was somewhere in san diego i forget the venue but that it, was the observatory it was the observatory ah. yep that you're, was, the, you're our second straight guest with the flaming lips show. Well, well was it that particular that specific show no, not that show, but okay. Nick just said one of his was uh, uh, Flaming Lips. And it's funny, we did a Flaming Lips song, and the cover art I used for our podcast was a picture from that show that I took. Was mm. one when Wayne literally rolled his giant ball right on top of mm -hmm. us? Mm -hmm. I think they do that at every show, because a buddy of mine from home, my best friend from home, that knew nothing about the Flaming Lips, went to a music festival, and he was like, dude, he just dude, came the ball in a ball. <laughs> And then, like, the crowd carried him to the stage, man. Um, okay, Russ, third question is, all right, so if you and I were old school, getting in a car, driving around back roads, having a beer, and I was like, what new band should 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 I listen to? And you were like, this one. Who's it going to be? Uh, right now, the one I've been listening to a lot of is, it's called X Void. <laughs> EX like ex dash void and uh it's just this punk band from london or somewhere out of the okay British, but so th there's a there's a band called joanna gruesome which i love okay i like and, that name uh they broke the main singer alana mccardle i, I follow her on instagram now uh she has a really mm. cool voice 
uh, she left the band over just sort of like mental health issues uh, and has basically just been doing nothing. But then she reformed a new band that sounds basically the same called X Void. And it's really good. With a, with a worse name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. X Although at least it's less referential. You <laughs> could take it a little more seriously. It's so negative. It's just like yeah. X and Void. And, and on that note, you are listening to uh, Pod Gabe Rock and Roll to you. And this, this week we are talking about Toto's Africa from their 1982 album Toto 4, written by David Pache and Jeff Porcaro, and produced by David Pache and released on Columbia. Well, I think it's a perfect song for this podcast. I mean, the whole thing is like, what? Why? How? How did this happen? <laughs> Who, where? When? <laughs> and I would like to thank Russ, because two years ago, uh, peak pandemic, we were hanging out at a park. Josh, we had just started the podcast, and I asked Russ what a good song would be to do, and he, okay. he quickly answered with Africa, so here we are. Um, nice. Later in the afternoon, uh, my dog bit Russ, but that's a different story. Where where did he bite Russ? Or where did she bite Russ? Right around the femoral artery. Ah, <laughs> Jesus. Russ was taken uh, in to LAPD or LAPD. He was arrested. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, getting back on track. I mean, it's so nostalgic. I feel like I'm riding in the back of my mom's car. Like, I was just on the radio when I first even knew what music was. You know, probably about four or five years old. Um, And I think it's like it really taps into like I I wouldn't say divine, but it's really I feel like it is pretty special composition, just the melody and the powerful chorus. It's also uplifting. I mean, I have no idea really what the hell he's talking about, which I think (laughs) I think most people don't. But there's so many little lines that you can kind of like grab onto that are really cool and memorable. You're thinking about uh, rising like Olympus. (laughs) Yeah, the Serengeti. Um, and it's just super catchy. I think it's a real achievement. Um, it's kind of, there's parts of it that are stuck in the 80s, but I think overall, melodically and kind of just song-wise, it's kind of timeless. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard this when I was really young. Mm-hmm. And my sister had all these, like, Billboard Top 10 hit CDs, right? 80, 81, 82, 83. And this was, I'm pretty sure, on the 83 one. So I heard it, obviously, I was born in 83, so after the fact but and, and and i loved it and i always have and i always will strictly because of the melody the chorus is as good of a pop rock melody as you're gonna find it's insanely perfect and <laughs> the vocals are like beach boys level mixed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and harmonizing there you know it's not a perfect song because the lyric is just super silly and the music is extremely dated and the solo is just an entire wheel of cheese. <laughs> but, like, the melody alone mm-hmm. is why this song has basically been relevant for 40 years. I don't know how they did it, and kudos to these guys, because this song, after listening to it this week, is so fucking stupid, but so pleasurable mm-hmm. that... Please yeah. tell me you watched the video. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we'll get to that, absolutely. <laughs> That's kind of the realization I came to after many many years there's a lot of songs and like a lot of music that kind of like comes and goes in your life and not that I was like in love with Toto when I was a kid 
but it is the like it is a nostalgia factor to it but mm -hmm. absolutely it's the one thing i kind of like came up with this list of songs because this is a rare thing which is a song you'll never get sick of hearing because mm -hmm. even songs you new albums you'll love you'll listen to them to death and then like a couple months later you'll put it on you'll be like god I, I, i'm just sick of it yeah but god. like <laughs> toto africa i literally will never get sick of like if it's on i'll listen to it and enjoy it no matter what like yeah the, just to piggyback <laughs> like, on that for a second mm -hmm. there was something about the 80s there where like don't stop believing your love by the outfield one of the bon jovi songs i can't think of there was something about the choruses yeah of that time and these guys were session musicians for steely dan and fucking boz skaggs oh. and just came together and did their thing this is just pop perfection i mean this is like it does the lyrics don't even matter but it's a good thing too <laughs> well i was saying is actually in doing some little like uh like research i actually don't know too much about their early stuff and their shit's good i mean it's like this is the album where they definitely went like pop kind of like 80s but the stuff before is like it's almost like queen it's like space opera almost like ELO kind of stuff and hmm. they're all like just nailing what they're doing you know but and then this song for whatever reason like is the one that's just hooks you in every like facet yeah uh, it was voted like by NME magazine 32nd place on the 50 most explosive courses <laughs> <laughs> First album came out, a lot of press, a lot of publicity, no hits on album two and three. And basically, they were going to get dropped by their label. And Rosanna was the song. That they, and I, I, I do honestly think Rosanna is a better song than this. Like, I would probably rather hear Rosanna than this. It's great. But this song almost didn't even make the cut. They yeah. were just like, it was so fucking stupid. <laughs> but... Yeah. It, <laughs> so much to it, talk it, about there <laughs> this is an album that Toto 4 like Led Zeppelin 4 mm -hmm, I mean mm -hmm. like that's bold in and of itself Toto IV starts off with Rosanna which run, won all the Grammys that year and then this song which was their only number one hit ended the album as just an afterthought and became their biggest hit ever it's wild and I think we should get to the some of the lyrics here there's just so many of them too yeah, there's, like there's only two, two verses. There's like two verses. Yeah. But they're stuffing so many words into those yeah. verses. <laughs> and it's... Even it when it hits the like chorus, a... like the, it's going to take a lot to drag me away from you. Even that's like a big mouthful. It's going to take a lot to drag yeah. me away. That's the best part of the song, I, I, in my I mind. Is, they do it well. They stuff it in. That is the best line of the song, the best delivery of the song. It, it hits at the right point. Because everything else, the verses, the two verses we're talking about, are basically just like a like sixth grade geography report. <laughs> yes, it's like a it's like a what do you, what do you call him? Your travel agent from fucking bumfuck Florida. <laughs> Make sure you Florida. mention Kilimanjaro. That's that's important. Yeah, <laughs> uh, ser the Serengetis in in Africa, right? When listening to this song this week, yeah. and like really diving into the lyric enough to like where I read it. I was like, I can't believe I like this song so much for how stupid this lyric is. He turned to me as if to say, hurry boy, it's waiting there for you. I mean, even some of the things they're saying, like at the end of the first verse when he says, he turned to me as if to say, like, so you, he just looked like he was going to say, hurry boy, it's waiting for you. <laughs> What's waiting for him? Africa? Um, he's looking for ancient melodies. 
Well, I get that. Self- it's like yeah, Africa. Sure. It's the birthplace of music. Yeah, blah, totally. Blah, blah. It's where yeah, all I, stuff it, it's just from. so funny. I don't funny. give it too much credit. Looking for forgotten <laughs> words or ancient mel- like any. What do you got? You got anything cool? Why are they longing for solitary company? What is solitary company? <laughs> is that your own company? Is that company with It other sounds dogs? like they're just trolling us at that point. It sounds like they don't give a shit because the melody's so good. They're just like, I, I, I don't care. I have a right? theory. Yeah. Which is, okay. this song and the video is a result of a lot of cocaine. Yes. And... <laughs> I, and I have a feeling they 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 were they were high as fuck and were just like yeah yeah no that's all great Africa I would because the video is literally just some sweaty white dude Bobby Campbell the singer uh, just skeezing on a black librarian and just being like <laughs> I gotta learn about Africa so I can talk to her well they definitely like, made the librarian black because it was a song about Africa yeah, written yeah. by a bunch of white dudes had never been there mm-hmm. and what is he so frightened about. That he's going to Africa, that he's in Africa. Like, there's so many lines that make no sense. It, actually, none of the lyric makes any sense. And and supposedly, you know, it was written by Paige, mm-hmm. and he came up with the melody, he said, in 10 minutes. And he was just like, holy shit, this is from God. And then worked on the, the lyric for months before he took it to the band. And it's like, what were you doing for those months? Probably what Russ said, is a lot that, of cocaine. I was going to say, is that legit? Because that's... this. this feels like a song that was written in 20 minutes that's what he said yeah he's he said he did say it was like channeling god and he says i'm talented but not that talented something happened here i'm not even gonna ask you what your favorite lyric is i'm gonna ask you what the dumbest lyric is Mm. neil what is the dumbest lyric we've already talked about all my least favorite lyrics um i do like there's nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do what does that mean it just means bring them on. I'll fight off. I, I, I see it as like I'll fight off anyone to, uh, like they're not going to take me away from you, and just it's kind of like Africa. The the, the tribesmen of Africa will not take my <laughs> white ass I wasn't away thinking from about you. That okay, one. got it. I I would say the dumbest line to me is I seek to cure what's deep inside, <laughs> frightened of this thing that I've become. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck does that mean, and what is it talking about? Because yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. At least it has some mystique to it. Like you can, you can have an imagination with that one. The one that I think is the, the worst is just the one about Kilimanjaro rising above the Serengeti. It's well, literally that's just why like that line we makes no give sense. It context. It's like it's Africa. It's like yeah, we. But the, <laughs> let, let's just, let's just read this, Russ, real quick. I, I know that I must do what's right, as sure as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus above the Serengeti. I seek to cure what's deep inside, frightened of this thing that I've become. Well, <laughs> I, I just want to say that once again, what we're talking about the whole time, it's all about the delivery. Because I seek to cure what's deep inside is a great delivery. You want to sing it every time. I want to cure what's deep inside. <laughs> no. What you want to sing every time and what is... Catch the waves. Uh, other than the chorus, the best part of the song is when they stay on that E minor and they go, hurry boy, it's waiting there for you. At the end of the solo? No, hurry. Okay. well they do that at the end of the first mm-hmm. verse going into the chorus. That's where the melody kind of goes next level where you're like, all right, what's going on here? Cause it's very, like mm-hmm. if we're getting into the melody for a second, it's like, I hear the drums echoing tonight. It's very like low, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? It's almost speak singing mm-hmm. until, hurry boy, it's waiting there for you. Mm-hmm. 
and then boom, 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 yeah. and then gonna take the love. So <laughs> that's the part where the melody kind of goes to a different level. Yeah, I like the whole song with that drum roll and everything. It's a perfect, just that explosive. Like the drum roll kicks in, the melody, the the thick harmonies. It all it all happens there. Scale of one to ten, Russ. Um, riff wise, what do you think of the riff? The bum 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 bum. It's bump. super simple. It's but it's it's very memorable. It also like, and it's hard to describe because it is all mostly a nostalgia reaction to it. But it like, it does like, hit you in like certain spots in in the heart and mind kind of thing. I, I feel the same way. I don't even think it's nostalgic. I think it's just a very simple, like, bum, 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 bum. Now, what bothers me is the... That's where the cheese comes in. It's like, there's no well, getting around like the cheese. Well, they're like kind of like flutes. Like, are they, are they Asian flutes in the Africa song? It's a, it's a brass synth that he's thought would sound good but, with what they had. Yeah, that's the bum 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 bum. No, no, no. no. The bum 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 bum. I don't think so. No, the brass brassy synth cuz it's almost like a, a fake horns. Bam 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 bam. Okay. And then the the the, the, brass <laughs> the the what you're talking about is little flutes. Or like a I always synth. thought that was supposed to be like a xylophone or something. Like, so it's some it's 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 synthetic. I know that the melody's so strange in this because it's a lot of minor chords, mm-hmm. and even when it hits the chorus, it's a minor chord that sounds mm-hmm. not somber at all. You know, like the verses kind of stay somber, and it's like like you don't really hear songs that aren't major that soar that much when it hits. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I kind of played through the chords a little bit. They're all over the place. I love it's so creative, like the chord structure. And I think a big part of the whole song is that jump up to that uh, that whole step up to B or whatever key you're playing in it. That when it first yeah, starts. Yeah. Well, I mean, just moving, uh, you know, past the melody a little bit it, into like obviously the best part of the song is the chorus, correct? Yes. Well, I think I think the. Well, the sing-along ability of it is the best part of it. I it think. is the best part, but another really good part is coming right the very end of the chorus, coming back into the verse. Bound, dun, dun, like the, it kind of jumps. Ooh, it kind of it jumps back into the verse. Bound, down, down. <laughs> it just goes back to that riff mm-hmm. of like that's where you can tell these guys were just professional musicians. Mm-hmm. Every, Art poets. There's yeah what. <laughs> 80s early 80s poets it's very steely and the drummer on here is is was the drummer for steely dan hmm. so you, and and here's the thing is there's no soul in this song it's not a soulful song there, there's, there's, no, there's no like bluesy soul or it feels like a like a a pop song like it was trying to be yes, a single yes like, yes it feels like it could have been writ- written by a computer <laughs> you know? yes Exactly. It's an AI. Say, it's the <laughs> sixth grade <laughs> geography report. I mean, literally. It's, just... it's like Max Headroom fucking wrote this song. The wild dogs cry out in the night. 
As they grow restless, longing for some solitary company. But like you said, Josh, it is perfection. Um, like even when you listen to it, you can tell all the instruments going on, but everything is mixed so perfectly. It doesn't sound live at all. It sounds like everything was recorded separately and, and pined over for a while. Well, Pace did the, the guy who wrote the song. I mean, he did the production. I mean, Toto, they kind of did their own production. It's again. impressive. Like, these are guys who lived in the studio. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that yes. <laughs> there is no stole there. This is basically a bunch of guys getting together and being like, this is how to write a song. I got a melody that's fucking awesome and a really silly lyric. But you're right. There's a lot going on there. I mean, like, if you look at it, it's Pace's lead and backing vocals, synthesizer and piano. Uh, Bobby Kimball also, actually, he's the lead guy. He's the he's the sweaty coked up guy looking after. He's the oh, sweat, sweaty coked up. Is that the guy? In fact, fired right after this album came out. Was that? <laughs> yeah, for drug issues. Yeah. Was that the guy in the video uh, sitting Indian style with the drums and the mustache? No, no, no. no that's the guy who was like looked like a fucking fat. Like a mule oh, the guy, the main guy in the video. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Who looks like? Yeah, he looks like he's a guest on a late night show. Um, about to have in bring 1980, out a parrot. yeah. Steve Lukather, uh, who worked on uh, Zevon Sessions, Neil. Sweet. Uh, he was playing electric guitar and backing vocals. Steve Porcaro, synthesizers. David Hungate on bass. Jeff Porcaro, the Steely Dan drummer. Drums, cowbell, gong. Uh, wow. And then there's some other folks. Lenny Castro, Timothy B. Schmidt. Tim Schmidt is from the Eagles, right? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Joe Pacero and Jim Horn, just a bunch of professional musicians playing a song as perfect as it can be. And yeah, and it really just captured the the, the production and the, the the sound of the time too. Russ, to you musically, what do you hear musically when you hear this song? I mean, when I think about it, like it's always that first kind of like the riff, the bum, 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 that because that always brings you into it. Like once yeah. you hear that, you're like, oh, good, it's Africa, and I can listen to the song because I never get sick of it. And then it's it's for me it's less about the instruments it's more about the the chorus and the singing it's 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 very mm -hmm. we we went to a, a like a yacht rock cover band re, like last year at some point and yeah. they of course did Africa and I will say like the place went in like everyone was screaming at the top yeah, of their yeah, lungs yeah. the car like just thought, all like, in harmony at once it was amazing <laughs> I bet I bet. Um, well, it's like like my girlfriend. I was playing this earlier for because uh, I'm figuring out how I'm gonna cover it, and she's just like, I mean, as if I wasn't sick of this song before. And I was like, Are you actually sick of this song? I mean, you can't she be. was like, I don't know. And I was like, Because I'm not. I've heard this song thousands of times, and I love hearing yeah. it. But for me, musically, it's the boom, ba boom, boom, ba boom. Mm -hmm. It's just the percussion. Boom, ba boom, boom, ba boom. Yeah, I was thinking like the, I was listening to the beat the other day and. I'm wondering if it's kind of, it's not disco, but it has that, it, it kind of marches well, right it's along. Very, it's, it's African. It's, it's, but the only thing that has anything to do with Africa in this is the name of the song and that beat. Boom, boom, boom. And the video. Boom, boom, boom. boom. <laughs> yes, obviously the, the arrow that's thrown into the, the books in the video. Um, or the spear, the I should spear. say. It's perfectly <laughs> stereotypical. Speaking 
of stereotypes, Russ, it, it's time to vibe. And uh, for all of our guests, I don't know if Neil warned I you, not. but I don't think you so. have to bring us into vibe time with uh, a noise that you think will vibe with this pod, and that is going to happen in three, two, one. Uh, catch the waves down in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, Neil, this is your song. Mm-hmm. So when specifically do you want to hear this? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to hear this on vacation. It's a great just sun is shining island song or on the beach. And specifically, once again, one day we went down to Long Beach with Russ. We rented a little boat. It was our friend Rachel's birthday. And I remember mm-hmm. listening to this really loud on our little, what do they call those little boats you rent? Skiff? I don't know. I don't know. It, well, you can just, it's like a, a little dingy. dingy. Yeah, you can bring a couple beers and just rock out. Uh, ah, it was great. Such a dingy. <laughs> all right, all right, Russ, when specifically do you want to hear this song? When I'm driving by myself. Oh, okay. When you can really, can like, really let the vocal cords out, stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing when you ha- are at a stop sign in this zone? Are you looking at the person next to you and just staring at them while you're singing, or you stop singing? No, I don't. I'm not even. I'm, I'm in Africa, you know. <laughs> that they don't exist. I'm on the okay, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> you're rising like uh, Kilimanjaro uh, above the Serengeti. Okay, I like that. Uh, I want to hear this at a wedding reception, like when I'm drunk, but like not yet wasted. Like buzz. Okay. Like I want this to come on with the band covering it and being like, "Fuck yeah, Just right in Africa!" That, right in that sweet spot. <laughs> Let's do it. Yes. And speaking of sweet spots, uh, I think it's time we slide under the influence and talk about the influences of this song. I will say that this song obviously is influenced by Steely Dan, Jackson Brown, uh, Soft Cell, and New Order. It's like a combination of that Southern California sound and that like British. Uh, synthesizer sound mm-hmm. that like came together um, the Beach Boys as I said earlier this song definitely influenced like somebody like Taylor Swift moving forward Duran Duran mm-hmm. Culture Club Thriller because Pace was a producer mm-hmm. on Thriller mm-hmm. and the, the Chicago Rebound album in the 80s you can definitely hear that there and obviously Weezer bands like Third Eye Blind and Death Cab and Panic at the Disco I mean like this just Permeates. Oozed yeah. into pop rock moving forward. Uh, Russ, what do you think? I, I agree. But I also, I was actually thinking like, I was kind of thinking like it needs more credit as being kind of like the start of that stuff too. I mean, it was early on. Mm-hmm. That's know, fair. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking about the song. Do you know the song She's a Beauty? I forget who. I think it's the Bugles. It's like, She's a Beauty, One in a Million. Yeah, oh yeah, I of love course. That. It's another oh, song yeah. I fucking love. Yeah. But that, like, that one kind of. Re- in a yeah. Girl. Don't fall. That's one in a million yeah. girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I kind of like. Interesting. I think of that song as being all kind of the same thing from the time, but I'm like, oh yeah, but like, who knows that song? But I think the fact that Africa was out and existed and like everyone loved it at the time, you know, I think spawned a whole bunch of those sort of like Beach Boysy kind of inspired sort of singles. Yeah. It's, it's, I thought about this week. I was like, if, if Steve Perry from, if Journey did this song, would it be better? And I, I kind of think. It may have been. Maybe. I mean, it might be critically better, but it probably wouldn't be as beloved. It would be more guitar. Yeah, yeah. which, yeah. which that's, is that's, that's true. Um, 
Yeah, and I definitely agree with uh, you guys. It, it definitely started and reminds me of like the whole Men at Work, Culture Club, Clash, Rock the Casbah, like that almost that early '80s MTV fascination with like exotic songs. We're gonna film yeah. it, film in a desert and like there's gonna and well, Mad Max, <laughs> man. And um, what what was speaking of MTV? We haven't really dove into the the video <laughs> we've dabbled we've dabbled we've dabbled but that is a this is a well, video that needs to li- be discussed. listen russ asked me uh earlier today if i had watched the video he thought it was required viewing so russ give us your <laughs> it, give us your thoughts yeah Ru- russ film critique of- uh it is a is a great time capsule for music video production of the time which is again fueled by cocaine and just <laughs> just like everything at face value like i don't know who was behind it i don't know i didn't do that much research on it but it's it's like oh you did africa you're interested in it it's like you're gonna be in the library <laughs> and then you're gonna be watching books about africa the, the best thing is that they're all performing I want. I want to be at like the pitch meeting for it or whatever. Like the dude was mm-hmm. just like freaking out, being like, "Cause you're, you guys are you're gonna be on books about Africa, like yeah. big huge books." It's like, are the books big or are we small? You know, it's, <laughs> oh, it could be either. It's like, and it's just yeah. there's like savages, you know, like Is stereotypical racist savages coming out at you. And they're like, oh, no, Africa is scary. It's just, oh my god, yeah, so sweaty, singing right at you. It's just. Oh my God! It's, His beard so is like much lackadaisical. Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Even the way it starts with the pan of like African masks down to but, him in the library yeah, chair. Yeah, but come on, the m- removing the book from the shelf and then one of the band members is just behind it playing mm-hmm. is the most '80s cheesy thing that well, I can imagine happening. And the the acting, he looks so uncomfortable. He's very oh, aware yeah, of the camera. He's so sweaty. Very aware. So, yeah, very sweaty. He's, he's dressed up like Indiana Jones. Every once in a while, there's a spinning globe they cut in, which is, you know, pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Face value well, that, stuff. That's where they I are. Definitely, they, they, you have to know where they're going. And the funny thing is the guy in the library is not on the books. That's just the band jamming somewhere yeah. on the mm-hmm. books. Well, because he's in the li- He's doing the research, Neil. And then I brought it up before, but the guy's sitting Indian style. Actually. With the the with, drums yeah. and singing with that mustache is just something oh else. Oh my god, so, it is. I, when the book re- is removed and he's just there, you feel like he's the one singing at the high register. I and, don't know. If yeah, that's it him or seems not, like it. But. And most of every time they cut to like there's seven or eight guys playing there, and it feels like none of them ever open their eyes. They're just grooving so hard, like just eyes oh my closed. God, they're just, so <laughs> into it. You could tell they were kind of like unhappy with the idea that this was going to take an artistic route. Like, well, just they were like unhappy with the fact it it came out. Like all the other band members were like, "This is a fucking dumb song that we didn't want to do." But I will say this, as we always do, this was four fifty four thirty two on Rolling Stone five hundred. And Neil, we did interrupt your influence. So, do you have any other influences of the song? Well, um, I feel like yeah. I mean, it, it, now it's now it's overblown. But um, yeah, the the chorus just like Journey, Ario, Speedwagon, a lot of that stuff at the time. And it does remind me of Peter Gabriel and Steve Winwood with like the synthy kind of nature of it. Uh, you know. Uh, okay. Okay. We did not hit how fucking good the vocal blending is in the chorus. I, I, I 
as a singer, like mind blown mm -hmm. by what what they do in that chorus and how they blend the vocals. Just it, it's next level recording and harmonizing in my mind. Yeah, I think um, I think it's just also the melody is so, it's just so ripe for like perfect harmonies and even Russ, like you were mentioning, the whole bar singing it in unison. Everyone knows the melody. Like I'm not I'm not saying it do doesn't have to do with your perfect recording you're saying Josh but it, it's just I have I've, many covers I listen to like with two people singing it's it always sounds really nice if you know what you're doing yes well it has a it's gonna take a lot to drag me away from you and then the it's gonna take yeah. a lot yeah, to yeah. drag me away from you uh -huh. it's, a, it's just it works. it's amazing it works. but uh, <laughs> speaking of dragging me away from you uh, I think it's time to uh, just slide under the covers talk about the covers of the song which Really, there's mm. a lot of bad ones, and then there's the Weezer one, mm -hmm. which is the song. Russ, what do you think about the Weezer one? I, I mean, it got a lot of like criticism for basically just being the song, but mm -hmm. I still think it's a good version of it. I mean, it's not. I don't know if it's adding anything to. It's adding what, guitar. Your, That's for it's adding sure. guitar. I mean, I I liked. It. I actually bought the the seven inch. You got it on vinyl. Yeah. Like, Sweet. I have there it on we vinyl. Go. Now we have our answer. He's got it on uh, They did like a, they, they, right? They did like an audience, like tell us what song you want us to cover, and they were like mm -hmm. "Africa" by Toto, mm -hmm. and they were like, "Okay, <laughs> we can do that. Fine, this song should never be co covered, and you'll realize that when I cover it at the end of this pod." <laughs> but like, it really, it, there's a lot of terrible heavy metal versions. The Weezer version is fine. It's a cover band version of the song. It, it does lend itself well to an EDM version. Like, mm -hmm. it, that's actually not bad because of the beat. But Neil, did did you have any? Well, um, just my quick take on the Weezer thing. I mentioned it, but the guitar in the chorus—it just—it's it, so cool to hear that because um, it's already such a good song, and then to hear some like actual just—and that that is a little bit even from Weezer. It's kind of some soulful kind of power chords going on there. Um, yeah, that's true. And I listened to this uh, <clears throat> Angel City Chorale, like probably a hundred-person uh, vocal yeah. orchestra doing it and it was really good they did almost 10 minutes of like first they started just rubbing their hands all of them together so yeah. it sounded like rain was coming then they all started snapping nice. so it sounded like the I rain was started coming ah. down and then they all started smacking their legs so it sounded like it was pouring <laughs> and then it was like dun, 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 and then all vocals so like every little instrument is like people going bum, 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 bum. it's pretty cool Peter Bentz I'll call him out. He did an instrumental version, which is very experimental, very cool version of this song. Did y'all hear that? Did either one of you hear that one? <laughs> and speaking of Peter, I think it's time we talk about how the shoe fits. Uh, Neil, it's your song. How does the shoe fit for uh, Toto Africa? Um, it fits very well. It's nice and cozy. It's like a pair of off-brand Velcro strap sandals. Like I'm on vacation as a kid, and it just, my oh. like sandals my mom bought for me. <laughs> We're in the same boat here, Russ. What what you got? Shoe fit. Let well, I me. Mean, I think it basically like kind of what I discovered which is like it, it's it's. I mean, we, we argued about the fact that it was like it's not a perfect song, but to me, it's kind of a perfect song for like at least what it was, what it's meant, meant to be, meant, what it's meant for. Yeah, exactly. So it's like it, you sing along to it, you love it, and, and for me, it like it, it instantly transports me like back to my childhood, like very very efficiently. Uh, yeah, so it always I, makes you feel I agree good with that, you know. Yeah, I, I Neil, I, I'm similar to you. It fits like 
and one of those like rubber pair of sandals that like wraps around your Achilles and like the top of your foot, you know? Okay. Like it, it locks you in. Oh yeah, you're locked in. And, like it, <laughs> it's fine if you get wet. It's fine if you walk through mud. Like it's gonna dry off. You're not gonna be that uncomfortable after a while. It's like it's perfect for that like hot muggy climate mm-hmm. that's near the well, Serengeti. I don't know where the Serengeti is. I I, I, I actually don't know. I don't know where the fucking Kilimanjaro and Serengeti are in relation to each other in Africa. I know they're in Africa, but I'm not sure if they rise above the... I don't know if Kilimanjaro is throwing shade on the Serengeti, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, we don't know either. Well, fine, Neil. On that (laughs) note, our cover of Toto's Africa. echoing tonight She hears only whispers of some quiet conversation She's coming in 12.30 flight Moonlight wings reflect the stars that guide me toward salvation I stopped an old man along the way Hoping to find some old forgotten words or ancient melody. He turned to me as if to say, Hurry, boy, it's waiting there for you. It's gonna take a lot to drag me away from you. There's nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do. I bless the rains down in Africa Gonna take some time to do the things we never had The wild dogs cry out in the night They grow restless, longing for some solitary company. I know that I must do what's right. Sure as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus above the Serengeti. I seek to cure what's deep inside. Frightened of this thing that I've become. take a lot to drag me away from you there's nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do i bless the rains down in africa it's gonna take some time to do the
The cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and give us a good rating on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week, Josh, what are we doing? We're going to stay in the 80s in the pop world and talk about Aha's Take On Me. Can't wait! Ha 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 ha!